You're listening to 50% Facts, the show where we try to answer specific questions on an individual topic, and then at the end, we bring in an expert to give you the real answers. I'm Jim McDonald. And I'm Mike Farr. Welcome to our show. Check, check, check. I'm kind of done with technology right this moment. Man, after... This seems to be working out Setting up Twitch streams and things, technology is so annoying. I bet. Well, this morning, after having an an iPhone for, I don't know, probably the better part of 10 years, pretty much as long as... I think I got one, like, maybe when they've been out for a year. When did they come out? Smartphones, 2007? I reference uh, a lot of back... Like that, that's yeah. the year I graduated. And a lot, like of, that. a lot of shit happened that year, I feel yeah. like. So this morning, my phone decided that it wanted to notify me every time I got an email. I haven't yeah. had that turned on yeah. since... You know, the first couple of days of having an iPhone. I understand why apps and like emails and texts and services of all nature have push notifications automatically set. It's the same thing when you sign up to a stupid website and they automatically subscribe you to right, a freaking right. email list. I understand. And I wonder if there's a human out there that actually wants any of that bullshit. I, don't, I turn everything off as soon as I figure out how to turn yeah, it off. Yeah, I, I mostly do too. Uh, I've, I might have talked to you about Discord. Discord's yeah. kind of like WhatsApp or whatever, and so I'm using it a lot now that I'm gaming harder uh, because that's just what everyone games with. I don't know why. Uh, they don't want to use the PlayStation chat, even though it's pretty decent. Mm-hmm. Um, going back to how annoying technology is, to wire all these things up, you kind of have to choose a path. Like, all right, I'm going to play and use PlayStation Sound or I'm going to play and use Discord. Uh, just because of how OBS is set up, and you can't do both for some reason. Uh-huh. Keep talking. I think I turn, didn't turn the camera, camera on. on. Uh, and so for some reason, actually, Connor is super smart, and we figured out a way to do both. But I, I'm starting to use Discord, which is cool because you can do like – it's basically like uh, – think about AOL Messenger – uh, except for you can create your, I guess you could probably do it in AOL Messenger, even though I wasn't advanced enough as whatever, a sixth grader using AOL. <laughs> but uh, you can create all your own chat room. So basically you create a chat room for your community on Twitch. Okay. And so like I'll, you know, say good morning and send a funny video to them in the morning. Or they're, they're my own chat, like communities just chatting, talking shit all day. And then when you want a game with somebody else, you can go into an audio chat room. Um, but point being, some reason my phone's exploding saying like you missed a message. You missed a message. I'm like, man, it's a freaking chat room. I don't need a message every single or a notification every single time someone right, says some right. bullshit. Get out of my life. Yeah, I was getting like, um, I think we all we all get stuff from email that we don't want yeah. and and can't figure out how to turn off, and then just notifying every everything every email that came in. They were like, and I turned it off, and it still kept notifying me i don't know and there's why. like a spam thing like yeah if you're if you're gmail uh, thank you gmail i do think you work well but uh except for the uh, address book which is trash yeah i don't use it uh but if they have to make a spam category it sounds like spam is a big issue if google <laughs> knows that spam like they, they literally have a thing called fucking spam Right. Yeah, or yeah. like spam price started as a slang word 10 years ago, 20 years ago for yeah, shit yeah. we don't want to read. Right. Uh, and now it's 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 a universal term and Google made a category within our email for it. Why don't we just erase it? Why don't companies just erase it? Like w- Google's no like like marking you the red dot like you suck and throwing you in garbage. Uh-huh. You should just not do it anymore. That's a good question, but you know w- we still get stuff in the mail, like in the physical yeah. snail mail. Once, once I bought a garbage. house, oh my God, how much garbage do you get once you buy a house or open a bank account or you start a business? Once you start something with with uh, your address and shit, you're done for. At least your address is brand new because yeah. your house is brand new. So you're not getting stuff that from pre- previous residents. True. We've had our house for nearly 20 years. We are still getting things from people who lived in that house Years before we did. That's crazy. Like 25 years it's ago? It's probably just trash, like a 20% yeah, it's just, off or, of Bed Bath & Beyond. Yeah. And uh, you can tell who is not um, paying for the top-level uh, mailing list yeah, yeah, stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and things don't get purged. And, and I mean, I, I guess from the flip perspective they call them like cl- like clearing houses or whatever where you, you have just tons and tons of of uh of physical addresses and names and all that stuff right 
those people are disincentivized to purge because they're selling a bigger number of of names, right? I, I, whether or not they're any good, I get it. Email email marketing still works today. It's a digital form of that type of marketing, like freaking guerrilla warfare yeah. mail mail marketing. And I understand why they still do it, right? <laughs> like, what's a postcard cost them if they if they buy ten thousand of them? They probably cost yeah. them a penny. It costs them whatever fifty cents to sell it or whatever. Mm-hmm. But who the hell is reading through their mail? And if I love Target. And I all of a sudden got an email or a, a, a physical mail from Walmart. It's not going to switch where they where I fucking shop. It's no. not at least my generation. No. Like it's not fucking happening. No. We don't care. Your shit sucks. I see the, your your shitty postcard right here. I'm not using it. The thing that gets me too is um uh, catalogs. Yeah. I mean, I've spent ancient. I've spent tens of thousands of dollars on equipment over the years. Um. And that, I question why I did that sometimes because I really wasn't making the money that would have, you know. That's everything. Yeah. That's my Twitch setup right now. Yeah. Yeah, there Bad. you go. Yeah. $2,000 PC. <laughs> oh, my God, really? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I, um, yeah, so I get these catalogs from everybody. Everybody. Yeah, Sennheiser and whatever the fuck. Well, and uh, like the big companies, B&H, sends a big yeah, cal- yeah. Guitar Center. Guitar Center. I get Guitar Center emails like probably i get them and i continue to get them because every once in a while you get a a, a coupon for sure. 15 20 percent off whatever worth it and it's worth it if you have to actually have to buy something and it's in that period of time and it's something that is coupon eligible yeah you know uh but uh yeah i get i get giant catalogs there's one uline never if you buy ever buy office supplies online anywhere then suddenly uline has your physical address yeah what's the legality of that because i know people share emails and i don't think you have to give permission i don't uh, think i don't i think it's totally legal legal not illegal i think it's totally legal i know that if you sign up for one of the one of the services like uh, mailchimp or whatever um somebody has a great opportunity to create female chimp but anyway that's another story Uh, 2019 (laughs) neutral gender (laughs) chimp (laughs) Um. Uh, normally, they require you when you upload a mailing list to include the ability to opt out of that list to uh, to everybody. So when yeah. you get it, you can opt out. But but I know like it's companies do at stuff the bottom like that. sometimes. Companies do whatever. Like yeah. Uline, I don't know what the fuck Uline is, but say you sign up for Guitar Center and Uline can literally pay them dollars for their emails, right? Which happens all the freaking time. It's yeah, actually yeah. a huge market. Yeah. But uh, and emails, I get like the you know you get two hundred thousand emails and you get a you know two percent open rate and you're gonna make some money, but uh, physical letters make no sense to me anymore. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me. And email too. Like if you're gonna use an email marketing program then be providing content sure with that that's worthwhile yeah and, and and in a way we do that even though we're not selling anything on this podcast currently currently uh but that's just how it goes right you give you create content hopefully you create some audience they enjoy you or the content you make and then you know you try to monetize it as everyone does you know mm-hmm. it's just some people aren't as upfront about it uh, as others but we put hours and hours and hours into creating content and we need to eat and our bills <laughs> yeah yeah that we're sitting in an office that is not free yeah yeah with a bunch of equipment that i, can't, I don't even want to do the math on don't even <laughs> I don't want to do it at this point yeah it's probably very depressing yeah i did the math on my twitch setup one day i was like oh fuck me <laughs> three months into this thing i'm dead broke dead broke gamer yeah 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 it well, happens it happens um speaking of things that are free i know that um uh, we wanted to talk about intermittent fasting and yeah. that, that new report that uh, our our expert for this episode, Andy Galpin, is an author on is free. Huh? I haven't read it yet because I because I'm sticking to the rule of not doing any prep. Yeah, I try not to either. This one I wanted to do prep because a couple of things we're talking about are newish uh-huh. uh, with Andy, and so I was like, man, I want I don't want to sound too dumb, um, but I think I think I'm still going to sound dumb if I do research. <laughs> 
<laughs> but yeah, yeah, let's hop in intermittent fasting. Intermittent fasting, or they call it intermittent dieting in the in the thing. It just in the titles. Uh, I just looked at the titles. Yeah. I didn't really read it. Um, Teacher, I believe at uh, Cal State Fullerton, PhD, huge into exercise science, uh, really big into actually running the studies himself, which is really cool. Yeah, uh, lifted for a long time. You guys might have heard him on Rogan and other podcasts. Um, but insanely smart guy. And what I enjoy about him is that he uh, still is a hint of meathead. Um, where there's plenty of scientists out there that are doing all these studies, but can't relate it to the gym. Um, this guy works out. He's coached people. He's worked with UFC fighters, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So he's actually uh, applied what he studies uh, and I think also has perspective uh, on what he studies rather than just just looking at numbers and data. He did a fair amount of Olympic weightlifting. He's He played football in college. He's not a big guy. Yeah. He's really not a big guy. And, it, and yes, he's a meathead. I think that uh, the first time that I met him, um, he showed me his abs. Thank you. You know, I mean, <laughs> to prove the meathead. Prove, yeah, just to prove the meathead. Got an uh, ab vein, bro. Yeah, no kidding. But my experience with intermittent fasting is that, like, the more you do it, the easier it is to do. You can go. It's it's pretty easy to go eighteen hours. Actually, I was in LA last week, and I got into my Airbnb, which was a nightmare. Neighborhood. The neighborhood was terrible. The building was awful. The place itself wasn't too bad. But once I got inside, I was like, I don't even. I don't want to go back out to my car. Yeah, I, I don't, hate Airbnb now. I, I I typically have a good time with them. We're staying in one uh, in New Orleans next week. I'm looking forward to it. It should be great. Whatever. But uh, this place had a lot of reviews. Let's say a lot of reviews, and uh, that were positive, but they were not entirely truthful fair yeah uh, i wonder if there's money exchange there too uh maybe Threats. i don't know i don't know all, all i can tell you is that i didn't review and i probably should maybe that's another thing but it, it must have been a, it must have been listed for a really long time yeah yeah because there was like well over a thousand maybe more reviews you had to uh the place itself wasn't wasn't so bad but you actually like to, to plug in the tv you had to run an extension cord to do that <laughs> yeah Just so you know it's not really set up for Anyway, my point was that I didn't want to leave, and so I did like an eighteen-hour intermittent fast because I didn't want to go anyplace to find food, and there was no—I was not near anything, yeah, at all. And and I was nervous walking through the neighborhood, and so I just didn't eat. That's kind of how my intermittent fasting is basically my whole life. Because since I remember as a kid, I just didn't uh, like breakfast. I never my stomach uh, has always okay. been weird. I think uh, looking back on it, it was because of anxiety. Now when I get anxiety, it's more patchy and more probably more not prominent, but more like uh, extreme now. Mm-hmm. But it's more patchy, and so obviously I've been me for longer also. <laughs> Uh, but I've de- uh, determined that I think my anxiety and I just hold it in my stomach. So I'll get like a stomach ache, some cramps, nausea. Uh-huh. Um, but as a kid, I didn't know. And I had like anxiety every single morning. Um, and so I had these crazy stomach aches every single morning as long as I can fucking remember. Uh, and so I just never ate breakfast. I wouldn't eat until like noon. Mm. Um, and I'd probably eat fairly late because you're a kid and you're snacking or whatever. But I probably went, yeah, nine at night until noon the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, intermittent fasting for those that don't know um, it gets a lot of buzzwords and it's you know high up there with carnivoring and ketoing and 2018 being buzzwords of the fucking year um, people believe there's magic powers people believe that um, you know helps uh, cell regeneration and mitochondria and all these things all these nerds are throwing out all these words um, but the basics are is that you have a window in which you eat uh, every day and it's shorter than normal it's not while you're uh, completely awake so some people do yeah 12 hours 14 16 mm-hmm. 18 20 hours um, of fasting basically or periods of time that you don't eat uh, and then other periods of time that uh, depending on you know your goals your diet that you eat and for me uh, and my understanding of intermittent fasting is just that these windows allow you to stay more satiated within the hours that you do eat, right? If I'm eating 2,000 calories in 12 hours or I'm eating 2,000 calories in six hours, I'm going to feel fuller in the six hours because I get to eat more food. Um, and that's the basics for, for me, and that's kind of why I do it. Uh, personality, um, when I like to eat, when I don't like to eat, my energy levels, all that feels mm. better when I do it. Um, but other people 
uh, some people go back to the, which I hate this argument, and we'll probably get somebody on here one day to argue uh, with me against it, but, uh, oh, this is what our ancestors did. Our ancestors were running around for 24 hours, and then they'd have three berries, and then they'd run around for another 12 hours, and then they'd eat three berries. We don't, we never got meals when we wanted meals. Yeah, well, fuck that. We, they didn't fly in airplanes. They didn't right. fucking have refrigerators. They, it doesn't yeah. mean that's best. Things have changed. Just because they did that doesn't mean it's best. That was necessity, and, and, and <clears throat> if you think we, we adapted to that so quickly that we can't adapt to this other thing now. Uh, well, fuck you. I disagree. So, um, <laughs> But yeah, some people think that it's because of our genetics and our makeup as a human. Mm-hmm. That's how we're supposed to eat. Some people believe, yeah, there's cell regeneration and some benefits to burning fat, that you burn more fat while you're fasted, um, which I would also, uh, we have to talk about it, whether you're talking about adipose tissue or dietary fat, mm-hmm. um, because I do believe, again, we've talked to Lane Norton a little bit about what we're burning and how we're burning it. I do believe maybe when you're fasting, you're burning more um, dietary fat, um, but not necessarily necessarily more adipose tissue unless you're in a calorie deficit. Uh, but I do think it's a good lifestyle uh, for a lot of people. I think, it, I think it works for a lot of people. I think that the biggest trick is just not consuming the same number of calories that you would have uh, if you were eating three meals or six meals or however many meals that you're eating a day in a shorter period of time. It's just funny how buzzwords and like everything goes in trends, right? 10 yeah. years ago, you're eating all day. You're eating eight meals because yeah. your metabolism has to rev up. Yeah. And then 10 years later, someone else comes along with a buzzword. And now, no, you're only going to eat two meals because we got to rev up the metabolism being hungry. When you're hungry, you're burning fat. Like, all right, motherfuckers. Yeah, I, I mean, everything is theory. and uh, But way back in the day, I want to say nearly 20 years ago, probably... Yeah, about 20 years ago, warrior diet was the big thing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that was basically one big meal a day. But I think that largely it was the same number of calories that you would have eaten all day long. And not, not, right. not everybody can do that. Right. You plow a burrito, a milkshake, and some French fries, you're getting 2,000 calories in. Right. Or you're doing rice and chicken three times a day, right. you're getting 2,000 calories Yeah. In. Yeah, exactly. Which one's better for your gut and all that? And I'm, I'm interested because I haven't actually read the study, so I'm interested to see what they're actually trying to figure out because there are multiple factors, I think, involved with intermittent fasting, whether it has health benefits, whether it has metabolic and mm-hmm. dieting benefits, um, whether it has gut health benefits. That would be my mo- most interesting because that's, that's something I don't know much about. Um, and I think if you do fast, there must be something going on in your gut, right? That that would be different if you had some type of food in there for longer periods of time. So um, I, th- I do think there's some interesting things with it and i do think habitually like we both agreed i think uh that it just works for some people's personalities and lifestyles yeah i will say that um because i i've i've done a reasonable amount of it in the past um i'm not looking at actually trying to drop weight again until after this trip to new orleans because i'm just gonna eat like yeah you a, got to uh, eat like an idiot uh the whole time but uh, like skipping breakfast is not that hard but with just the way my my intestines work if i don't if i'm not dumping a reasonable amount of a couple of different kinds of fiber in there over the course of the day then i'm in trouble yeah yeah you got to get some kind of veggie and a fruit and spread out a little and, bit. and 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 you know i'm so i'm not i don't have a gluten problem so um you know wheat bran sure. whatever all these things help That's something all this stuff is kind of important and so it is difficult for me to um justify a lot of Intermittent fasting. A yep. couple days a week, yeah, but I can't do it every other day. I've done 24s that were not that hard. Yeah. Before. Yeah, I don't think it's that hard, especially when you have like a determined line. And sadly, that's the extremes of everything. Don't eat carbs. Only do this. Don't eat for 24 hours. But the human mind does kind of work that way. When you have like a direct in-cement goal, it's easier to, to go by. Yeah. Like if I was just chilling and I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to eat for 24 hours. Like, well, that's probably not going to happen. I'm hungry. I'm going to go eat something. But mm-hmm. if you say like, I'm going to fast every Monday or religious reasons or whatever reasons mm-hmm. you may have bodybuilding show, mm-hmm. if you actually believe it helps your cells and mitochondria, uh, then it's pretty easy to keep to. Yeah. Um, the A word that seems to come up associated with all this stuff is autophagy. Yeah. Which I think is the regeneration of cells yeah. or something. Yeah. Something like that. And I, I don't. Okay, number one, people don't say it right. Number two, I'm not sure what exactly what it means, but I think I think it has something to do with 
cell replacement. Yeah, yeah, and, and which, yeah, I just I don't know. You know, I'm I'm of the camp, and I'm no scientist. I've just listened to smart people like Andy and, and other people, and, and I've done some research, and I've, I've worked in this industry. But I'm no, I'm not the one running the studies. I'm not a doctor. But to me, our human bodies are fucking insane, and they're going to take care of their goddamn cells pretty good. Uh, yeah. The same thing with you know regeneration of cells or fasting or whatever I, I go to like um detoxes it's the same thing in my head like man we got all these dope organs that all have a job some of our organs have one singular job mm-hmm. they're gonna do it they're gonna do it like everything's always regenerating everything's gonna help itself as long as you're kind of sleeping getting some water and getting some kind of food in we're gonna survive some pretty wild things yeah um Going back to the lifestyle thing, I think that that's kind of just true of any diet strategy period, especially at the beginning. Like, what can people stick to? And I think that like, for a lot of people, just not eating as as many meals is a decent strategy. Yeah, um, and and it builds a habit, and you build a habit over time. Yeah. You know, allows it the discipline to be a little bit easier. Routine allows those things to be a little bit easier, and then you could stick to it. And whatever you can stick to, you're probably going to find success in. I, I think that as long as it doesn't produce a tremendous amount of anxiety. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you, you. I think you have to. Um, I think you have to be active. I think you have to be fairly active, and and that tends to take your mind off of of being hungry. Physical, mental, anything, just busy. Yeah, yeah I agree too. When you, a lot of people, I, I mean, you imagine right when people talk about people being overweight and obese, they obviously talk about them being sedentary, which means they're probably sitting on a couch watching TV. Mm-hmm. But if that person was part of a football or a golf club or a soccer team mm-hmm. or did a podcast or you know i've been streaming for 10 hours a day you know like i got shit to do like i can't just sit there and eat chips yeah. but if i was sitting watching game of thrones all day long like all you know for eight yeah. hours i'm probably eating chips and yeah i'm sitting there playing video games and talking to a camera um but i'm interacting with people all day long like yeah. i'm not just gonna sit there and show my face it's still like mental activity if there was no camera on you though you could probably chips, chips and video <laughs> games probably <laughs> chips and video games <laughs> absolutely well and this kind of goes back to um something that lane norton said to us that uh, activity, exercise, yeah. uh, signals satiety so that you, you know, yeah. you're not hungry all the time. I have mixed feelings. Well, I think that it flips around for people who, um, who are not normally hungry. Maybe. My wife is not normally hungry. The only time that she gets hungry is if she's in a good, um, a good period of time with running. Yeah. Yeah. I think cardio helps a lot. That's where my experience is. Yeah. I do uh, basketball. I remember going playing my entire life, obviously. But uh, you get a fat sweat session. I'm playing for two, three, four hours, and I couldn't eat for like three hours afterwards. Mm-hmm. I just wasn't hungry. And then I got into powerlifting, and after a powerlifting session, all I want to do is slam fucking ice cream and pizza. <laughs> and then now I'm somewhere in between where I'm doing you know kind of hypertrophy work, um, and I haven't been hungry, but I've also been doing pretty hard 10, 20 minutes of cardio every single day mm-hmm. afterwards. Uh, yesterday, the day before, something like that, I squatted fairly heavy for the first time in about eight months, uh, heavy for me you know i just squatted 405 no belt uh and i found myself that entire day like fuck i'm hungry <laughs> yeah out of nowhere and i'm like fuck bro i'm pretty hungry right now uh, and then i was like oh man I, it's just because i loaded up the bar a little bit maybe maybe possibly I, the signals might be yeah who knows it could be a uh, mental habit too when i was powerlifting, i tended to eat more and so when yeah, i lifted I heavy i associate one with the yeah, other yeah. who knows maybe andy will know yeah all right well anything else we want to okay all right, uh, on with uh, Dr. Andy Calvin. What's up? We're just, we're glad we're in warm California and not um, f- the frozen Midwest. That's one thing. No shit. That yeah. sounds like a death trap in there. Yeah. Our, um, our good buddy Jacob Ross lives in Chicago and had one of his friends like stick his arm out the, the sliding glass door of one of the high rises downtown and like steam instantly is coming off of his body from from mm. that it's frightening <laughs> so how are you i'm fantastic man um crushing away the day and I'm trying to survive my seven-month-old daughter has been uh sick for the first time so oh uh, have haven't slept in i don't even know how long so i'm feeling fantastic yeah a little extra coffee and just keep kicking well, I guess, man. You like to do that kind of thing, though, right? A little, a little deprivation here, a little oversaturation there, you know. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. I was actually just talking to um, this athlete I work with, and uh, he just tore his hamstring oh. off the bone. Wow. And I was like, you know, this is. Uh, and I was kind of telling him my sob story about the last. It's really been about a month. 
I'm like, you know, these are actually, it's probably good for us. It's probably fairly uh, helpful at some point to have these master states of deprivation. I'm actually not a huge caffeine fan, so I just kind of chug through the day without and just get it done. So there's there's something to that sometimes. Um, if anything, it's, man, it's just a good reminder about how fucking easy our lives really are. True so, that. Yeah, it's true. Rip your hamstring off the bone, time to focus on the biceps. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, he's doing so much upper body ergometer stuff and grip work and lats. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> I can uh, he's a wrestler, so it's good for him. Well, that's awesome. So I wanted to talk to you about intermittent fasting. I know that you were um, uh, one of the named authors on a recent paper about intermittent fasting, intermittent dieting. So like, what, did, what did, were you trying to cover in that study? Well, the biggest... Thing we have to accomplish here before we can talk about if these things work, benefits, pros and cons. Uh, with intermittent fasting in particular, you have to operationally define terms. That's a science way of saying, tell me what the fuck you're even talking about first. <laughs> right. So intermittent fasting, I'm actually glad that you said it that way because it's obvious you didn't read my paper. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's a premise of this show. We don't prepare ahead of time so that we're... We're, we're only rolling out the knowledge that we have just walking around as opposed to trying to be experts ourselves. Fantastic. Because the paper was actually not about intermittent fasting. Though. It was kind of intermittent dieting, which is, is vastly different. And we can tackle both of those or one or the other one. I don't really particularly care. But basic difference being intermittent fasting is uh, planned times of specific fasting, right? So nutrient deprivation. You can do this a whole host of ways. One, probably the most documented, uh, most researched, most studied, um, and most utilized example of intermittent fasting is Ramadan. Yeah. Uh, or, or, or Lent, depending on how people sort of do it. Other popular ways are things like a 5-2, which is I eat five days a week normal and I fast two days a week. Uh, most popular right now under that umbrella is it's called actually time-restricted feeding which uh, some people do things like I only eat during an eight-hour window and then I fast the remaining 16 hours. Or some people do a 14, uh, 10 version of that. Or My point here being is there is no such thing as intermittent fasting. It's whatever the hell you want it to be. Uh-huh. There, there, there's no sort of set thing there. Uh, and that's quite different than what we were talking about, which was intermittent dieting, which is more like yo-yo dieting of I did a 30-day challenge, and then I went off the ant rail. And then I did. I worked really hard and got ready for this competition and, and cut weight for three months. And then I ballooned back up. So that intermittent dieting approach of like trying something hard, falling off, coming back. And so the paper was really about uh, what happens when you do that and cover kind of all the physiological basis of it, uh, long-term consequences, and, and how people that are both general population, but we were more specifically focusing on athletes, um, effectively how the intermittent dieting or the yo-yoing uh, is really detrimental to long-term progress and health. So we could go into any more of those in more detail. I'm, I'm happy to discuss whatever you're most interested in, but that's that's the fundamental difference. Yeah, maybe we'll, maybe we'll touch on both. Let's start with maybe kind of the intermittent uh, meals, dieting, the Ramadan, or, or what we find to be more popular kind of, you know, if you look up a magazine or website right now, is, is kind of the windows of eating during a day, right? So people think uh, there may be magic, there may be, um, you know, whether it's on a cellular level or, or burning fat or, or cancer reduction or whatever it might be for not eating for 16 hours. And then having a smaller window where they slam all these calories in and maybe have a little bit more um, satiation within that period. What, uh, what, is, what is science, current science, kind of telling us about that style of eating uh, that's become very popular lately? Okay, so you just asked like 114 questions. <laughs> yeah, my bad. <laughs> uh, I'll try to answer maybe some of them and tell me which ones you want to actually answer. No, it's not magic. Uh, but does it mean it's completely useless or overrated? No. Um, I love fasting for a whole host of reasons, probably none of which people think I love the food. Um, I don't think, or not, it's not I think, if you think that delaying your eating, uh, not eating breakfast at 8 o'clock and pushing that back to 10 a.m. is going to magically save you from cancer or help you lose 40 pounds, you're out of your fucking mind. <laughs> right? Like, How in possible world would physiology be that sensitive to moving your eating window by two or three hours? I mean, that's just that's just insanity. 
there, there's no way that they are. So there are many potential bets, uh, benefits of the time-restricted feeding or other bouts of uh, intermittent fasting, but it depends on the outcome goals. So are you talking about uh, weight prevention? So we could talk about that or weight loss, I should say. We could talk about uh, recovery. We could talk about inflammation. We could talk about long longevity, mortality, health. So these are all sort of separate questions. Um, what, And we can do any of them that you want, probably don't have time for all of them. But I guess what I really want to say at the beginning here is with any of these topics, uh, context really, really matters. And none, nothing with nutrition is a panacea. So nothing is a one-stop shop that fixes everything. Not a single thing you ever do will optimize you for uh, an ultra marathon at the same time it helps you max your back squat at the same time it helps you build the most amount of lean muscle while it helps you live to 150 and reduces your cancer. It, it just doesn't happen. So every nutritional strategy you make ha- can have several benefits, but it always has some kind of consequence. So it optimizes for one, it compromises another. So intermittent fasting is no different. There are some tremendous benefits of it and there are some tremendous downsides of it. So it, it depends on the outcome goal that you're interested in. Now it's probably most irritating to me with intermittent fasting. And again, it's going to sound like I'm not a fan of it. I am. I literally have an athlete right now who just on Monday, I started her on a 16-8 time-restricted feeding window program. So I I use them. I've used them with myself. Uh, I just like to use tools when they're appropriate. What I don't like is when people talk about time-restricted feeding as if, again, it's a panacea, it's a miracle cure, it will save you from all ills because they saw one paper uh, that is extrapolated out from cell culture and or in animals or in rats. And now you think that's going to make you live longer or you hear a buzzword like autophagy and you don't understand that context, what that actually, how it actually matters in physiology. And so now you think that changing to a 16-8 is going to somehow save you from any inflammation ever. I mean, these are the nonsensical things that people in that space tend to purport. And people in that space are also most popular in areas of weight loss and things like cancer prevention. Um, well, okay, that's all fine and dandy, but we can't then turn around and think that's going to maximize performance. It may, it may not. The point is they're completely different. You don't know. So that's the type of stuff. Um, and I just don't see too many people who are performance folks being as vigorous uh, proponents of time trigger fitting as the other ones. And so my general gripe tends to be with the other community because they're the loudest and get the most attention. And let's be real, people are super excited about fat burning and you know, autophagy. So I, I just, I'm irritated because it's oversold. It's not that it doesn't do anything. It's just oversold. Can you define autophagy for us? Well, so <laughs> that's actually a very good question uh, because the vast majority of people cannot. <laughs> uh, and, and the ones that use it, even purported experts, uh, they may be able to give you a textbook definition just like I could, uh, but they're going to miss the context of it. So effectively, here's how you can think of it. Uh, you have a whole host of cell types and the physiological bodies, enzymes, proteins that are coursing throughout your body, making all of your cellular functions do what they do. Well, sometimes these structures get damaged. Sometimes they are not damaged, but we need to remove them because of excess growth in an area or uh, no longer a need for them. So autophagy is just a uh, composite of two words, auto, right? And phagy. Phagy is a cellular process in which uh, one cell type can engulf and destroy another cell type. So autophagy is in the endogenous ability of your body to clean up its own cells, if you will. So typically in the context, when we talk about autophagy, it is something like you've got misfolded proteins, you've got damaged tissue, and it's your body's ability to clean up these dormant or quiescent or um, no longer needed tissue. And so people use it in the context of, oh, okay, it's it's cleaning up all your dead cells with cellular debris. And that's not the worst interpretation of autophagy ever. Um, it's not totally right, but okay, close enough for people who don't care about this much science. <laughs> okay. The context, though, behind it is is extremely misguided. So that's the problem. It's not the people's definition of it or how people are using it. It's the context in which they're portraying it, i.e. something like, oh my gosh, autophagy happens as if autophagy is like an actual measurable single thing, right? There's hundreds of thousands of things that go through a process like this. There's not one like, I couldn't measure your autophagy level. Mm. That's not something I can do, right? It's, it's so much, I can't measure your information. 
that's not a measurable thing. Um, you remember back in the day, shin splints? Yeah. Okay, cool. This is a common thing. If you go to the doctor and your leg hurts, you're probably just going to get labeled with shin splints. Yeah, right. Put your foot on the couch, <laughs> set it up, maybe a little ice, you're fine. Well, well there's no, the thing is, that, like, it isn't anything. There is no such thing. There's no human condition of shin splints. There's no splinting of your shin that happens. There's a whole host of different little injuries and traumas and problems, and we all kind of label them as shin splint. So in order for me to figure out what would happen, I'd have to go in and say, okay, what you actually had is some microtrauma around this part of the bone, blah, blah, blah. Is it a tendon issue, ligament issue, connective tissue? What what exactly is the etiology of your shin splint? Well, same thing with autophagy. So we have dozens, if not hundreds, of markers of autophagy, and we have dozens and, and certainly thousands of markers of inflammation. And so I could go measure a couple of those things and then say, okay, autophagy went up. Well, autophagy didn't really get up. Just those things went up. And so it's not a thing. There is no, not like muscle mass growth. When I say you added uh, size to your bicep femoris, I can literally measure the size of your bicep femoris. Like it is a completely dependent, it is an objective measure. Uh, Autophagy is not. And so that's one of the many, many problems with simply saying, well, autophagy went up. Well, okay, maybe these two or three markers of autophagy went up seven of the other ones went down. Mm. So so what, what really happened here? Or they went up, did, did they go up to a level that is actually physiologically relevant? So some molecular markers, for example, could quadruple, um, could go up 4x. And you can then say like, wow, study found a 400% increase in autophagy with intermittent fasting. Well, you couldn't get that published because any scientist would know you'd have to have way more than a 400% increase for that to actually have any physiological relevance. And so that's the context people are missing. Um, Like, you you have to have, like, when we measure these things in my laboratory, if I see something that, you know, went up 2x, I'm like, fuck, it didn't do it anymore. If it went up 4x, I'm like, eh, I need to see 10x increase in a lot of these molecular markers for it to even start coming close to something that another molecular scientist would say, okay, that's a legitimate finding. It's just not physiologically relevant. So the example I would give you, uh, to put in numbers, is... Say you had a baseline autophagy level of 100, whatever that means. Just set it to 100. Okay. Well, if I give you this intervention or diet or supplement or whoever gives the crap, and uh, I took you from 7 to 70, and I 10x your autophagy, but you're still 30 below the level of actual normal, 30 below the level of mattering. Well, who cares? It didn't actually do anything. It hasn't hit a level that actually matters. And this is extremely common with this type of research is you haven't exactly told me if that increase, while it sounds impressive and sounds good, does it actually have any functional or clinical outcomes? Because if it doesn't, then it probably means this is garbage. So to sum it up, it's difficult to measure. It's because it's a bunch of different things and not just one thing. And it... Uh, may or may not be important if you could measure it. And chances are the interventions that you're um, trying or this, the, the t- conditions of your test uh, might not produce uh, anything that anyone would care about in terms of uh, change. Yeah, it may not do much in terms of real-life outcomes. And But people are interested in it because they think it has a relationship to uh, anti-aging or cancer or why are people so so caught up on that on it as a buzzword well there is a relationship there uh, it, that is true it, it's very very much true just like there is a relationship between inflammation and chronic disease mm. uh, there's the, these all, all these relationships do exist it's the, the the problem here is it's not a single turn a single outcome issue and that's where it breaks down. So they think that, okay, because there's a strong relationship there, they must think, therefore, if I change this up by 10%, that will increase my life by 10%. Uh. And and that's the fundamental part that's not true. Uh, so I will grant you, if you walk in and you could measure somebody and they have 6,000 times the level of inflammation of a normal human being, that person's probably in a big world of hurt. Are they in a 6,000 time risk of dying? No, because they would have been dead. Yeah. Right? So it's not 100%. Okay, this goes up by 13%. Therefore, I live 50% longer. And, and we don't know what that conversion rate is. We have no clue because there's way more than one thing that 
determines or predicts human wellness or performance. And so you may have uh, super increased autophagy, but you have, along with that, for example, significantly reduced mTOR. Well, hey, great, that's fantastic, because mTOR causes muscle tissue growth, and that's a tumor. Fantastic. And so people are super hot on this keep mTOR as low as possible thing, and that'll save me from aging. But what they also don't realize at the exact same time, the single biggest contributor to poor aging is loss of muscle mass. Right. So, like, okay, great. Yeah, you you got autophagy up, you kept mTOR low, and then you fucking died on your toilet at 62 because you couldn't squat. (laughs) Yeah. So, like, you have to think about this. I mean, this is what drives me nuts. It's like, okay, yeah, sure, you might reduce your risk of cancer by 10%, but you also increase your chance of being in an assisted living home by 70, by 40%. So, what what do you want to do here? Like... It, there's no panacea. There's no free pass, man. Like you can't just intermittent fast and think, "Oh, great, my life, my life will be solved now." <laughs> yeah, like it's got a pros for sure, but instead you know, there's of no, um, there's no permanent fix. Instead of uh, digging in, like you said, it, there's multiple topics we can talk about: longevity, maybe feeling good, cancer, performance, whatever. With intermittent fasting, you want to maybe give us an example or two uh, of benefits or what type of situation you may, like you mentioned, you had an athlete that you prescribed kind of that t- type of diet or uh, window eating to. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you for doing that because sometimes I get all like fiery and I just bitch the whole time. No, we, no, it's good. So, it's but, good. It's good. And I'm just like people think I just hate everything. Oh, no. <laughs> So more, more talk about the benefits of thing is probably needed on my end for sure. So good. Thank you for bringing me back to life here. Again, I, I'm actually a fan of it. Um, if you're talking about weight loss, so the particular athlete I'm working with is an MMA fighter, female. She weighs about 150 pounds right now, has to get down to 125 pounds. All right. Uh, but she's got about less than three weeks to do so. Ooh. Ooh, it was right. Yeah, because I mean, now, what, what do you suggest for like a water cut? Not to go sidetrack, but that's what five percent of your body weight, maybe on the last twenty-four hours or something. Uh, you can go a little higher than that. Uh, it depends on the organization. Depends on the sport. Uh, if you have twenty-four to thirty-six hours to post weigh-in to perform, uh, you can get a little higher than that. If you have a two-hour weigh-in or same-day weigh-in, then five percent yeah. or less, yeah. a lot closer. Right. We typically uh, in the UFC we've got thirty. 30 plus hours, 36 hours. So we can go a little more aggressive. Uh, last time we in Rio in the Olympics, we had 24. Now this time we're going to have two again. So mm. it changes. But um, point being, yes, I want her at 132 pounds or so before she starts her water cut, which means she's still got, you know, 16 to 18 pounds. She has to lose of actual weight in three weeks. Crunch time. Now, if you look at, yeah, if you look at the literature, intermittent fasting or time-restricted feeding does not enhance fat loss over regular normal feeding. They're equal. Mm. And so what we're talking about for the sake of fat loss typically is it's calories in, calories out. And if anyone disagrees with that, you simply don't understand what calories in, calories out are. Time-restricted feeding is a fantastic way to help people reduce calorie intake. It's not the only way. It's not my preferred way. It's not how I started with her. But uh, she was getting extremely nervous. Mm. And for about a week, she didn't. She stopped losing weight. And the time crunch was getting closer and closer and closer. And she was starting to have extreme anxiety. And she was panicking. She wasn't sleeping at all. All of her numbers were plummeting, except for her body weight. And I needed to give her a quick win because I know that if she's that mentally stressed out, it's going to really compromise her ability to lose fat for a whole host of reasons. And, and I kept trying to get her to relax. I tried a whole bunch of tricks. I tried other things that would work and she would try, but I, mean, I understand this is a, it's a huge fight for her. It's a big, you know, it changes her life basically. It's kind of, uh, yeah, I mean, it's legitimately life changing opportunity for her. So she's sitting there looking at like, Oh my God, I'm, I have this chance finally that she's been after for four or five years. It's right in front of her. The contract is signed and she might not get to do it because she can't lose weight. Mm. There's just no way around this. Right. And she has been interested in intermittent fasting for a long time. 
she's constantly bringing it up or not constantly, but occasionally bringing it up. I can tell it's in the back of her mind. So she brought it up this weekend and I said, yeah, let's fucking do it. And she got, she got, yeah, she got ecstatic. She got super happy for it. So of course, all it really did was reduce the calories she ate for two or three days, which we had to do anyways. Mm. We had to bring her calories down. That's the method in, in, of calorie restriction she was excited to do. She was executed. She was positive. She got really confident about it. And boom, two days later, she's down three and a half pounds. Yeah, stress goes down a little bit because now she's got a, uh, something to look forward and, to. Dude, as soon as she stepped on that scale the first day and saw that number three pounds lighter, she went, and she just texted me, fire, and you know, like all the like, fire emoji cons. And, and she just <laughs> pumped, and she's happy, and like, all of a sudden, she's like, best day of sparring I've had all camp. And she had, you know, she was super low on calories. And she had three training sessions in the day, did, did, did an extra one at the end, which I told her not to do. But she's like, I feel great. I'm going to do it. All that shit was in her head. All of it was. She's fired up. So, her autophagy's on a thousand percent. <laughs> right. So my point was, like, I, I went to it because of athlete preference. I went to it thinking, like, it's equally effective. Um, it's not typically what I would like her to do, especially, I mean, you guys know, you're, you're, you're at the, don't make major changes three weeks before competition. Yep. But like it was something I was willing to, because there was just, in my mind, it was, it was worth the change right now. She's probably convinced it and fast the thing to go, but we'll tackle that bridge afterwards. <laughs> we'll, we'll fix it later. So, uh, I mean, that, that is a possible benefit right there. Some people prefer it better. I had, I've had several physicians, uh, that have worked in my laboratory or have, interned with me or something and many of them eat a single time a day so they they're on like a more like a 20-hour restricted feeding window and they only eat within a one or two hour period a day mm-hmm. and the reason is they said like during residency and during our exam times it's just so much more convenient for me to only have to do dishes once to make food once it's a 30 45 minute thing and i, I bought myself an extra hour hour and a half a day and so it's sense. a convenience thing. Okay, Makes great, sense. right. So there's, there's tons of other reasons why intermittent fasting may, may be helpful for somebody. Uh, those are two examples. But it, again, it's not magic, particularly with the weight loss. It's just another method of helping you reduce calorie intake. And if you like that method, well, fantastic. It will be just fine if fat loss is the only primary, you know, only goal of yours or only issues. So, um, no problem there. It's um, a- yeah. Well, it just it no, uh, it's one of those things that uh, it makes you feel virtuous, but doesn't really cost you very much. It's not hard right. to not eat. It, it's that sounds uh, crazy yeah. to some people, but it's true. It's not really that hard to not eat once you get into a pattern of it. You know, it you're just exactly seems right. With within ten to fourteen days, it becomes extremely easy. Yeah. What about the uh, performance aspect? Maybe the last uh, little piece we we tackle with intermittent fasting. Uh, your MMA fighter seems like a pretty, not a rare case, but a little bit of an extreme case, three weeks, a bunch of weight to loss. Um, but is it optimal or does it take away from performance? Maybe not in her instance, but let's talk about a power lifter, maybe a wrestler, maybe MMA or basketball, whatever. Um, are, are there some negatives yeah. to not eating? Well, well, don't get it twisted, man. It 100% took away from a performance. Hmm. No, no doubt about it. And and I we had this conversation and she was well aware of that. Uh, and so we had to change training a little bit because I said it's you can't out-exercise calories. It's a losing equation. If you've ever looked at how many calories are in food items versus calories you burn during exercise, you can't just lose weight by adding another cardio session. It's yeah. far easier to just not eat a bagel. <laughs> like It's an hour on the treadmill or it's a bagel. That's just a lot easier on your body. In addition, she can't afford to get the additional damage and toll on her body because she has to have her body fresh uh, for her MMA training. Like the skill development is far too high. So that, we don't have the bandwidth for her to just add extra, you know, cardio jogging training stuff. Yeah. yeah. Is that from kind of an extreme calorie deficit though, or is that from intermittent fasting or, or, or windowed eating uh, exactly with the performance? No, from? it's from excessive training. Mm. Number one, because she's a fighter and she's neurotic and they don't listen. <laughs> And it's exacerbated by the fact that she has reduced calories, 100%. Uh, and now if we reduce the calories versus intermittent fasting or not, it wouldn't matter. It's still a problem. But when we went to intermittent fasting, uh, the calorie restriction was far more excessive than what I would have done. And because she wasn't doing intermittent fasting, 
she had basically now started going to her first practice, say her first practice Monday was at 10 a.m. And she would have a meal plus some additional calories. Typically, she's now doing that first sparring practice uh, 16 hours fasted. And so then she's going to not have recovery time. She's not going to restore muscle glycogen in time by the time she goes for her second practice and by the time she goes for her third practice uh, in the day. Well, especially by the second or third day of that, when you're not adapted yet, it, boom, it's going to crash. And so uh, it was actually, I was really proud of her because last night she sparred hard in the morning, had a fantastic day, did another little cardio session, was going to go do some really hard wrestling at night. And then we had the conversation and said, like, you're going to have to pay the toll. Like, you're going to have to pay for this one way or the other. You're already severely down in calories. Uh, you have, like, the risk of injury is only getting excessively high. And I know that you, you she's been fighting professionally for 15, probably, or she's already multiple-time world champion. Wow. Like, you, you know how to fight already. Is one more hard sparring session uh, going to do it? You've already sparred today. And she's like, ah, and I said, I would rather you take an easier day today, have a little bit of gas left and go hard again tomorrow. And she totally agreed uh, there. So that, that was, I mean, that, that's the answer to your question is we, we had to pay the toll too there and she recognized and she accepted it. So we did a light session last night. We did some visualization and we did a mental practice, got to bed early. Uh, and she actually, it, you know, did a hard wrestling practice this morning. So, uh, can you perform intermittent fastedly and intermittent passive? Uh, sure. Depends on what type of performance. As long as nutrients, macronutrients, and overall caloric intake is equivalent, uh, I don't think we have any significant evidence to suggest a, a time-restricted feeding would be massively worse. Um, that's not there. So I don't see any reason why, if that's the only change, that you, you know, start pushing breakfast back a couple hours. And as long as you're eating the same amount of calories and you're getting the same amount of types of other nutrients. Um, most people should probably be fine if it fits well for them, depending. But that's going to be a personal issue, right? So that's kind of where, depends on what sport you're in, all that, but it's possible. I'm sure we could keep going on this topic all day, but that's probably a good place to stop. Where can people find you, Andy? Uh, probably if you want to follow my most recent uh, endeavors and new papers and studies we do, social media and Twitter and Instagram and just uh, Andy Galpin, or Dr. Andy Galpin, DR, you know, Andy Galpin on there. It's pretty easy. And if you want to see and learn more stuff, I put a lot of my class lectures on nutrition, training, exercise physiology from my graduate and undergraduate courses up for free on my website and my YouTube channel. And just search for Andy Galpin, build a final that stuff. So if you like to learn that, that's you as you can basically take class with me for free. Awesome. And then uh, you also have a podcast, right? Oh, yeah. So you can check out uh, my podcast called The Body of Knowledge, and that's on all the appropriate platforms as well as thebodyknowledge.com. It's a little bit different. It's seasonal. We actually haven't released an episode in quite some time, but uh, season three is, is in the works. So you can get caught up on seasons one and two and then get ready for season three when it drops. Awesome. Thanks again for being on. You can find me on all social media at the Jim McD. Mike is silent Mike with two K's on Instagram and Twitter. The show 50% facts, five zero percent spelled out facts spelled out on Instagram and Twitter. And we will catch you next time. Be sure to leave us a rating or review on iTunes or the platform of your choice. We really appreciate that. And we'll talk to you next time.